You are now tuned in to the Believe Network. Do you believe? Hey guys, it's Nick. Before we get going today, I wanted to give you a few discount codes for the products we love and our show sponsors. So don't just turn this one off. If you're listening to this podcast, we at Hardwick Life want to reward you for your loyalty. So take 25% off of your order by using the code HardwickFF25 because after this long, we consider you friends and family. That's HardwickFF25 at Hardwick.life. It's like Hardwick.com, but that one was taken by a shirt company. So Hardwick.life is where you can find it. For 20% off at Bub's Naturals, Dot com. Use the code HARDWICK20. That's HARDWICK20 at BubsNaturals.com. And for 10% off at Julian Bakery, use the code Nick Hardwick. That's me at JulianBakery.com. Again, Nick Hardwick at JulianBakery.com. Now, if you want to hear what I take daily and get some insight as to what you should take, maybe stay tuned. If not, skip ahead about a minute and we will be into the show. Thank you all. All right. So you want to know what you should buy. I take six of our Hardwick Life products every day. I originally started that company out of kind of selfish needs. I wanted to get access to the absolute highest grade products in the world. Our supplements are pharmaceutical grade, all of them. They've got unique delivery mechanisms. So you aren't just getting expensive urine. You're actually absorbing the products at a higher rate than cheaper store-bought supplements. I take brain, joint, fuel, phyto, pump, and neuro. Now, that may be a little extreme for you, but those are my jams. Now, I've done a lot of damage to my body. I need all of them. The brain and joint, they're kind of self-explanatory, right? Fuel is one of the only whey protein powders that I can take that doesn't upset my tummy. And we hear the same thing quite frequently from folks that don't process dairy all that well. That's because it's made from New Zealand grass-fed whey. New Zealand has the highest dairy standards in the world, there's a noticeable difference, and the flavor, it's pretty damn incredible. For a Perry workout drink, which Perry workout, you'll hear that term, it means around your workout, or to add protein midday, I put two scoops of fuel with pump, which has three grams of creatine per serving, per serving 400 milligrams of ATP, which is the body's energy currency, and 95 milligrams of caffeine to get you all fired up. All of those, they allow you to do more work in the gym, getting better results. More work equals better results. Who would have thought? Seriously, you can work harder and have a lower rate of perceived exertion. And I like to add in Fido, which has all of the necessary nutrients, vitamins, and minerals, along with this patented formula called TrueBrock, which contains glucorophanin, which researchers at MIT are calling the fountain of youth. And lastly, I take neuro about an hour before bed. Dr. Andrew Huberman, a Stanford neuroscientist, hosted the Huberman Lab podcast and recent guest with Joe Rogan. I'm sure some of you listen to that guy. He's pretty awesome. Recommended in our third episode ever, we got him before he blew up, magnesium L3 and 8, as it's the only form of magnesium to cross the blood-brain barrier. And it increases levels of brain magnesium, and that leads to better cognition and a more robust memory. That's important. 
It also has a slight sedative effect to help you get to sleep. All right, I'm not going to bore you with more details. Get over Hardwick Life and use the code HARDWICKFF25 for 25% off. Now, you guys that have been following me for a while now know that I've used Bub's Naturals since the company's inception. I don't know. I may be their first ever ambassador. I know there's a lot of bigger names now that are promoting Bub's. The company is blown up and is thriving because many folks like me understand how great their product is. I take two scoops of their collagen protein and one scoop of the MCT oil powder daily with my morning coffee. Try it once. You're going to be hooked. It's unbelievably creamy. The collagen is also really a great way to sneak some protein into your kids' lives too. It's unflavored, so you can add it into pancakes, oatmeal, mac and cheese, or juice. And they're not going to notice a thing. Use the code HARDWICK20 for 20% off. Lastly, before we get to the show, I want to tell you about my friends at Julian Bakery. This company, they've really got their act together. I believe most people could use more protein in their lives. It's got a very positive effect on satiety, brain signaling, and maintaining a healthy body weight. I recommend one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Please don't listen to Zach Efron's trainer who on their show falsely ties too much protein to kidney failure and loss of bone density. And certainly don't go to the Game Changers propaganda documentary on Netflix for your science. Neither of these use actual science. There's a lot of kooks out there, folks. We're going to keep fighting the good fight. I love a variety of protein. Obviously, I've told you about our whey protein, Bub's Collagen Protein. And Julian Bakery's specialty, in my opinion, is their egg white protein powder. They come in ridiculous flavors like pumpkin pie, coconut, maple glaze, donut. They blend easily. They're a great addition in the middle of the day. Use the code Nick Hardwick for 10% off. That's Nick Hardwick for 10% off. All right, that's enough. Let's get you back to the show. Love y'all. All right. What is up, y'all? It is uh, Nick Hardwick. This is the Hardwick Life Podcast. This is not some fancy shit. So sorry for a lack of introduction. Sorry for a lack of a close. We're just going to wrap this up when we wrap this baby up. And I hope you guys have fun listening. Uh, could we do something a little different? Yeah, we could. Do I care that much? No, not really. Hope to get out some good information. Hope to provoke some thought. So sorry, Ryan. No fancy intro here, pal. Hope you're having a great day, though. All right, check this out. The other day, uh, I posted a picture of me coaching a second-grade football team on Instagram. And I said, at this age, I didn't say what age, it's important not to get caught up in winning or losing. It is far more important to look for the teachable moments and coach the shit out of those coachable moments, those life lesson moments at second grade, so seven years old, right? And tons of great responses back. And then I got one, a little bit of pushback here. And a guy goes, if it's not about winning or losing, why even compete? The winning and losing has to come with the competition or there's nothing, nothing to drive you to get better. Okay. Well, I thought, well, that's a really interesting idea. And, uh, I wrote back, I said, everything that I learned in my 11 year NFL career that is lasting for me had nothing nothing to do with whether we won or lost nothing. So I can see a lot of reasons to compete besides winning or losing. And he said, so the end goal was never a championship. And I said, you're always striving for a championship. And we'll talk more about this, but not getting caught up in the winning and losing, watching the scoreboard never has helped a performance. And these kids 
They are in second grade. And here's the most important part. Some of these kids are pushing their limits simply by bringing a helmet to the field, by putting on a football helmet, by putting on shoulder pads, by getting involved in a team sport. That is stepping way outside of their comfort zone, right? By making contact with another individual. That is way outside of their previous comfort zone. And some kids are super freaking competitive at this age, and it's all about winning or losing. And I would caution them that maybe that's what it shouldn't be about, is winning or losing. We're going to talk more about And like I said in my original post, there's more important juice to extract from the game than just wins or losses. Yes, you're going to get the wins and losses. Yes, we naturally all keep score, right? Even in second grade, these kids come up to me and they can't keep score in their head. Hell, I can't keep score in my head. They all come up to me and go, Coach, are we winning or losing? And I always go, Does, is it going to affect how you play the next play? I said, play hard, right? What, what does winning or losing have to do with the very next play? What does winning or losing have to do with this moment? Is it going to affect your effort? If you're winning, if you're winning, are you going to back down a little bit? Are you going to like, you know, ease up? Some people will. Or if you're winning, some people are going to step on the gas and we call those front runners. And that was like a bad word in the National Football League. It's like, yeah, they're front runners. If they get out to a lead, they're going to be feeling really good. But the minute you come back and you test the resolve, they are going to crumble, right? So you've got different types of scoreboard watchers. Or you got people who, when they're down, and this is especially with little kids, when they're down, they don't feel like there's any way that they can get out of it. Oh, my God, we're going to lose. We're losing. And then they almost start get some of the kids almost get into tears because they're so caught up in the scoreboard that they forget that there's still a half a freaking football left to play, boys. We got to get our asses out there and give some effort. So when they ask me what the score is, I say, I don't know. Plausible deniability. A lot of times I don't really know because I don't give a shit at second grade what the freaking score is because none of that shit matters. Look, like I said, all of these kids are coming to this from a different point, right? Some of these kids, this is their first athletic team that they've ever been a part of. Some of these kids, it's the first time that they'll get hit by a friend. Some kids, like my kid, they fight, they wrestle, they play tackle football in the backyard and have been doing it since they were a tiny little kid. So this is no big deal to them. So they have graduated from stepping on the field as an accomplishment or tackling somebody as an accomplishment to now scoring a touchdown is a big accomplishment or scoring multiple touchdowns is an accomplishment, right? So everybody's coming to this from a completely different viewpoint, but I would argue this and everybody's entitled to their own viewpoint. I'm competitive. I'm really freaking competitive. And I guess people could say, Hey, if you were a little bit more competitive, maybe you would have won a championship. If you cared a little bit more about winning and losing than Hardwick, you probably would have won that Super Bowl championship. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But I, I will tell you this. And I said, it is the juice from my NFL career, the juice from my college career, it has nothing to do with whether I won or lost a damn game. It has nothing to do with that, right? There's some great memories. There's some memories that you look back and you're like, damn. But that's not what I learned from my career. The times that I learned the most in my career was when I was hurt, when I was injured, when I was sitting on the sidelines or laying on the couch and and trying to figure life out a little bit more, 
you know, when you had to go back to the drawing boards after you ultimately did not win or accomplish your goal, which now we're looking at winning and losing as a data point, which is going to give us some corrective measures to go, okay, here's what I need to improve on. Here's some of the areas technically that I'm short on. Here's some areas tactically that I may be short on. Here's some areas in the leadership realm that I may be short on. Here's some areas in communication that I may be short on. But none of it really had to do with winning and losing because think about this. If you're winning early, if you get early, early success, then all of a sudden, what do you have to work on, right? What do you have to work on? Because, hey, man, you got it all figured out, right? And then the minute you lose, what happens? Then you've got a little a gap, a developmental gap, because maybe you didn't lose enough early on. So winning and losing, yes, they are a factor, of course, we're all keeping score. We're all keeping score. And I, I really just think, yes, we're keeping score. It's in the back of our heads. Yes, we want to win. Of course, we want to win that championship. But you are not going to catch me staring at a damn scoreboard during a game. In fact, I had my best golf round the other day. And you know what happened? I was marking my score down. And I knew I was playing really well. But I got lost in the shot. One shot at a time. And I refused to, like I had done before, calculate my score and figure out if I could get below a 90 before 18 holes or at 18 holes, right? And so I got lost in the moment. And I just immersed myself in this process, which then allowed me to focus on the shot at hand. Because like I've said before, Marty Schottenheimer was a one play at a time guy. That's the only way we can really live extremely well and perform extremely well. We can't worry about the scoreboard. We can't worry about what the headlines are going to say. We can't worry about what the trash that's going to be talked. Play the game. Play the shot. Play the play. This is the only one that we have control over. So, And, and I take this because I forget what year it was. Maybe it was 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Phil Mickelson, everybody knows Phil Mickelson, huge Charger fan. North Turner happened to be friends with Phil Mickelson, and he brings him into the facility. We're struggling this year, as we did sometimes at the beginning of the year, and he brings him in. And Phil was, like I said, a massive Charger fan, so he knew our roster in and out. And he looked at us and he says, guys, you've got everything it takes within this room to be a winner to achieve your goal, which everybody knows what the goal is. And we, it, there was a picture of it in the meeting room. And what Phil basically said was, nobody believed that I could win the Masters until I won the Masters. And what happened that was different in that Masters from the one that the ones previously where I finished as the runner-up or I fell off on the final round was the previous ones where he lost – on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he was having a hell of a time. He wasn't watching the scoreboard. He was joking around. He was talking trash. He was smiling. He was loose. He was focusing on the shot. And he was playing damn good golf. And then in those years where he did not win, he would show up on Sunday and he would be serious. And the pressure was on. And he put it on himself. He did this to himself because he knew that he had the lead and he had to defend because it was all about the win, right? It's all about the damn win. And so Phil's getting serious because you got to get serious to win, right? Like we have to be super serious to win anything. And what happened? He didn't play good golf. Why? Because he's tight. He's probably gripping the club, like strangling that thing. His body's not moving the way that it's supposed to when you're loose and there's no pressure and 
your heart rate's at a reasonable pace when you're playing in such a high-pressure tournament. And he went back and he watched all those old masters where he collapsed and he choked and people said he can't win the big one. And he said, what am I doing? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm out here having a great time. Sunday, I show up and it's all serious. And so what he did when he finally won is he said, I'm going to let go of the winning and losing. I'm I'm just going to let go. It's not really within my power if I win or lose. What is within my control is how I perform and my mindset going into this. And so what he approached it like was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm going to go out. I'm going to talk shit to my competitors because that's fun to do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smile. I'm going to laugh. If I have a bad shot, I'm going to laugh it off. And you know what? I'm going to regroup and I'm going to play the next shot. And lo and behold, Phil Mickelson wins his first Masters. Not caring about the scoreboard. Not caring about winning. So if you're focused, and I, I genuinely believe this, if your sole purpose in playing sports or your sole purpose in doing anything is winning, I think you're missing everything else besides that fucking scoreboard. Every other bit of juice that can be extracted from any endeavor that you take on that's wildly challenging, if it's only about winning or losing, you are fucking yourself from learning everything that comes along that really tough, long, arduous journey. You are blowing it, right? If you're in a weight loss program, And all you care about is getting 25 pounds off. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's an amazing goal. And I'm not trying to diminish it. But if all you care about is getting that 25 pounds off and you've learned nothing else along the way about yourself, well, was it worth it? Because you didn't become a better person. The whole thing of taking on these big, massive, challenging goals, climbing mountains, winning Super Bowls, um, losing the weight that you want to, finishing some task that is really difficult for you to finish. And I'm not saying you got to climb a mountain or run a marathon or win a Super Bowl or anything. I don't care what it is. You know, like some of these kids showing up to the field, putting on the helmet, putting on the shoulder pads. That's a fucking massive accomplishment for them. And so they can take pride in the relative distance that they have covered to get to where they're at. Or you can take pride in the relative distance that you've learned to cover. But if you are missing all of the juice that comes from competition, whether it's against somebody or whether it's against yourself, all of the things that you can learn about yourself in that time and all the things you can learn about life and the perspective that you can have, damn, I think you're missing the boat. I think you're missing the boat. I I really think you are missing the boat if it all comes down to winning and losing. And here's something that's super dangerous, right? And I think, so I'm a big proponent of the growth mindset, right? A a huge proponent of the growth mindset. And I knew new psychology for some, it's like, oh my God, we are softening our kids beyond repair. And part of it, I believe that like part of that, I'm like, okay, it's a little bit too far, but this I wholeheartedly believe in is the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And there's a great book on it called grit. Angela Duckworth wrote that, but it comes back to Carol Dweck, I believe is her name, is the psychologist who kind of came out with this concept and did tons of really significant studies about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And the kids who focused on the process and the effort that they put out, those when they when it came to like standardized tests and when it came to, you know, academics, 
they were tested, I believe, in a New York City schoolroom. The kids who they gave the mindset to, who they taught how to speak this language to themselves and frame it properly in their brain, the competition that they were having with the test and with their peers and all that, the kids that they tested, that they gave this growth mindset to, they far exceeded where the kids with the fixed mindset were. Even the ones with the fixed mindset that had a higher bar, a starting bar than the kids with the growth mindset. And here's why. When you fail, if you have a fixed mindset, which means this is me, I'm attached to every win and to every loss. So when I win, look at me, I'm going to beat on my chest. I am the fucking hero of my own story, right? I knew I would win. I'm fucking amazing. Look at me, right? That's a fixed mindset win. A fixed mindset loser, it's tragic, I mean, their ego gets so curb stomped that they don't know what to do. They don't know how to react. They have been, their ego is dying in front of them. And so it hurts incredibly bad because I was on top of the mountain. I am conquering this. And the minute that they get put in their place, wherever it is and whatever endeavor they're trying to take on, they get crushed. They get crumbled. I suck at math or I suck at football or I suck at losing weight or whatever it is like those mindsets that start in childhood. Those are pervasive up until and through adulthood. So it's really important, especially when I'm dealing with second and fourth grade kids to help instill a growth mindset into them where I had a kid the other day. He said, I'm not good at this. And I said, you're not good at that yet right? Because we haven't worked on that. So how could you be good at that? And take the onus off of him and put the onus onto me. Yes, he has to do the work to get good, but let's not say I'm not good at anything if you haven't put the time in to get better. And that's the growth mindset. I'm not yet where I need to be. And I would say that about my entire life. I'm not yet where I need to be. I've never won a championship ever in my life. I got second place in the state of Indiana wrestling my senior year. I was second team all Big Ten my senior year at Purdue. I was, uh, we finished second in the AFC championship. I've never won a championship in my fucking life. In, in fact, like 12-year-old AAU basketball, second place in the state of Indiana, right? So maybe I'm just a second place guy. But I will say this, it didn't stop me ever from competing. And the winning and the losing didn't slow me down. And all it did was tell me I'm not there yet. And I've got a lot of things to work on. And I just think there's so much power in a growth mindset that always focusing on winning and losing. Uh, To me, it's very dangerous because if you're always focused on winning or losing, like I told the guy, I said, so I played 11 years in the NFL. I never won a Super Bowl championship. Does that mean I'm a loser? Right? Because I didn't win ultimately I didn't win. So does that invalidate my career? Does that mean that I wasted 11 years of my time and three years in college football? Does that mean that all of that time is wasted because I didn't win or all the time that these kids are putting into this season, multiple weeks of preseason two practices a week and a game on the weekend. Does that mean that that time's a waste? Because to me, absolutely not. Because they're getting so much out of this besides winning and losing. They're getting friendship. They're getting teamwork. I'll tell you a little story. This last weekend, I benched my own child. 
I benched him at the end of the game and we played shorthanded because he was not being a good teammate. I didn't give a fuck if we won or lost the game. What I did care about, what I do care about is that these kids learn how to play a sport properly with good sportsmanship, that they're a great teammate, that they exhibit leadership qualities, that they play hard and give great effort all the time, right? There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And sports gives us a nice conduit, right? To be able to talk about, and it's fun. This is the beauty of sports. And this is why it's the winning and the losing is so insignificant. If you just look at these key moments that you get, right? You don't get these in life all the time. You get these in the workplace, like one every three months, one every six months, one every year, But in sports, you get them every damn game. And in football, because it's so emotional and physical and challenging, you get it every single game and sometimes multiple times a game that we've got a lot of things to talk about and extract from your performance, from your attitude, from your leadership, from the way that you carried yourself. We can take all of that and we can talk about that and talk about how that translates into real life. So if we're going to focus on winning and losing, well, we, we win the game. Okay, great job, son. You won. That's it. That, we're going to leave it at that? We're gonna, that's it? We're not going to get any juice out of the game besides you won? Or you lost? Okay, cool. Hey, try harder. Yeah, try harder. Because we're not trying hard enough, right? And, and that's what pisses me off so much is like, when you lose, it doesn't mean you're not trying hard enough. And when you win, it doesn't mean you're trying harder than the team who loses. It doesn't mean that. It may mean you're deficient in a couple of areas. And yes, can we learn from winning and losing? Yes, we can. And I, I talked about this a little bit with the scale. Like people are who are in a weight loss program. They look at the scale and it can either crush them or it can put wind in their sails. But some people, they look at the scale and they've lost five pounds and they go, I'm on track. And then they quit. They stop. They give the, it's called the halo effect, right? Where you're feeling really good. And I've done so well over here that I deserve to be a little bit naughty, right? That's the halo effect. And so sometimes looking at the scoreboard, other than objectively, just for data and to maybe correct ourselves tactically, technically, and from a, from other standpoints, then I think we're fucked up. Because winning or losing, to me, doesn't really matter all that much. Would it have been nice to have been a Super Bowl champion? You're damn right it would have been nice to be a Super Bowl champion. Just mostly for the ring. But I had a great coach once, John Ramsdale. He was a quarterback coach with us. He coached Kurt Warner. Uh, He was with the fastest show on turf in St. Louis. And he came and he coached for us for a number of years. Super wise dude. And he didn't speak very often. And so when he said this, it really hit like a ton of bricks. Because we were talking about winning the Super Bowl and da-da-da. And he goes, boys, if you're – if the only thing that is important in your career is winning a Super Bowl championship, you're really setting yourself up for a ton of disappointment. Because every single year, only one out of every 32 teams wins it. The chances of you winning it are really small. So you better be looking for something else out of this career – than just winning that Super Bowl championship. And that has always, always sat with me. And here's what I've learned over the years. I've competed at the highest level. I've competed since I was four years old and asked my dad to be on a T-ball team probably a year or two early. And he said, sure, son. 
I've competed, I've kicked and I've screamed, I've focused on winning and losing. And then 11 years in the NFL, and eventually it hit me that this, that we're doing here, this competition, this defensive lineman, that middle linebacker, that defense that we're facing, this team that we're facing, that's only a conduit for me to learn more about myself. Think about that. That's all they're there for. All of those guys, they were a way for me to get more out of myself, to push me further than I could push myself, to get me out of my comfort zone, to scare me a little bit, to put some fear in me, to allow me to feel all the emotions and to challenge me to improve everything because it's not just the strength. It's not just the speed. It's not just the technique. It's not just the tactics. It's the emotions underlying it. It's being able to control all that. It's being able to communicate very clearly to your teammates and help them with their emotions at a very heightened state. So when I think about winning or losing being the only thing, I think winning or losing is the least important thing when it comes to competition. Of course, we all want to win, but if you're missing all the other juice that can be extracted from competition, I think you're fucked up. So look deeper, look harder. There's more there. There's more in you. And that's all I got. No fancy ending here. Love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful week. Oh, by the way, Jamie didn't join me. She's up at Purdue with a friend walking around, enjoying, having lunch. So good for her. She gets the day off and I get a ramble by myself. Love you guys. I appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you soon. Some things just go better together, like comfy clothes and work calls and bundling your home and auto insurance with USAA. It's less hassle and more savings. USAA, what you're made of, we're made for. Call for a quote. Restrictions apply.